My dad died. I miss my friends because of... I don't know how to tell my friends that. I want to help my friends. I don't know how. The pandemic has left me feeling very lonely. How can I best support students in my classroom? The morning meeting is meant to be a place to let you know that you are not alone. We can get through this together. So join us. Listen, learn, share your stories. This is the morning meeting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to season two of the morning meeting. I'm so excited to be starting the second season of my podcast, and I thank you so much for joining me. This season, I will continue to interview guests on the show, but I'm also planning to have some shorter solo episodes where I explore some topics related to grief as well, like today's episode. If you have a topic you'd like me to explore or a question you'd like me to devote an episode to answering, please let me know. I will share my contact information in the episode, and I will also include it in the show notes. So reach out if you have an idea. So today's episode is devoted to the idea that grief is the price you pay for love. Have any of you ever heard that saying before? In my work, I hear it a lot. In fact, over the past few weeks, someone sent me an article talking about it. It was actually a lovely article speaking to the fact that death hurts so much because we love so much. I've heard it said in other ways as well, like I wouldn't trade my grief experience for anything because that would mean I didn't get to experience the love I had for the person that died. I do understand the sentiment. When we love, we grieve. I do believe that, but it also kind of rubs me the wrong way. This past time when I came across the expression, I decided I can't ignore it anymore. So here I am exploring why it bugs me a little, or maybe more than a little. I do not believe that the amount of love we feel for someone is in direct correlation to the amount of grief we experience. And I believe that that is a dangerous message to send. It means that if we're having a good day or we're not feeling intense grief, that we didn't love the person as much as someone who is really feeling it. And I just don't believe that to be true. Have you ever said to yourself, I don't know why I'm feeling so strongly. I barely knew the person. Or have you ever said, I just feel numb and I don't feel anything after someone that you cared about died? Many of us have had these experiences. It's not necessarily about love, right? We're going to talk more about why we respond to different losses so differently in this episode of the morning meeting. So I want to start with a little bit about myself. My dad died almost 18 years ago. I loved him with everything I had. I still do. But am I intensely grieving all the time 18 years later? No. If your person died 18 years ago and you are intensely grieving that loss right now, does that mean that you loved your person more than I loved my dad? I do not believe that that is so. There are so many reasons why we each experience grief differently. And love is just one factor in the equation. In fact, I do believe that grief can be even more intense for some people lost someone, let's say that they less than loved. 
I always say that complicated relationships lead to complicated grief. And I don't mean that in a clinical sense because there is a diagnosis of complicated grief, but I do mean that when you've had a difficult, challenging relationship with someone, your grief can be more challenging and difficult as well. I'll use my own experience as an example. My dad and I had a pretty uncomplicated, loving relationship. I could rely on him. He was a stable, loving provider and a consistent person in my life. So when he died, I was devastated. I missed him terribly. I was not sure how I could live my life without him in it. But I did not have mixed feelings about him. I loved him and I missed him. Of course, I knew he wasn't a perfect person, but we did not have a strained, abusive, difficult relationship. We had very little to resolve, nothing left unsaid, no gaping wounds that could not ever be healed. So while the pain of losing him was intense, Most of my grief was centered around missing him and figuring out how to live in a world without him. But let's take a different example. What if your person was abusive? What if they hurt you or the people around you? What if you hadn't spoken to them in a long time, or years even, to repair the damage that had been done? What if you weren't even sure they loved you at all? When they died, All of the hopes and dreams for that relationship to repair itself died too. And that's difficult. Now, I'm not into comparing grief. Pain is pain, and I don't want to sound like one person's grief is worse than another's. But that's what the saying does, right? If you say that grief is the price you pay for love, you automatically dismiss the grief and pain that someone may feel after the death of someone less than loved, as if they don't have the right to grieve. And they do. Most of us have experienced a grief reaction after the death of a celebrity, right? We likely didn't know them personally, but yet we feel intensely when they die. Did we love them? Likely not. But we had a real connection to them, and so we feel their loss. And that's okay. We didn't need to love them to feel grief. I've worked with a lot of children after a death through the work I've done through nonprofits, through the Traumatic Loss Coalition, as well as through my work at Inner Harbor. Often, when a young person dies in a school setting, I meet with their peers. Sometimes I'll meet with their closest friends or their soccer team or their homeroom class. And I often hear stories of students complaining that another student is walking around so sad, but they weren't even friends with the person that died. And people will often assume that it's just for attention. For example, if a 17-year-old boy dies, everyone may focus on his girlfriend. But the girl that broke up with him last year isn't given permission to feel bad because she broke up with him in the first place but she has just as much right to her feelings as anyone else. And in fact, their relationship may have been more complicated, right, if she broke up with them, leading to more complicated feelings or regrets related to the loss. Or what about the kid who sat next to the boy that died in math class? 
they maybe weren't even really friends at all, but they saw each other every day and maybe they, you know, occasionally helped each other in class. Perhaps this student is feeling the regret of not getting to know the person who they saw every day. Maybe they weren't always nice to that person or they ignored them when they knew that they were struggling. How will that affect their grief? This episode of The Morning Meeting is dedicated to Michael Simonoff and Nicole Proust with love from the Redinger family. Another complicating factor in our own grief is our own life circumstances. You could be very close to the person that died, but have a great support system, amazing coping tools, and believe strongly in heaven. Again, you may be very sad and angry that they died, but you know how to express your grief and not let it build up. You have amazing friends and family that check in on you and love you. And you also feel comforted knowing that your person is in a good place. Contrast that with someone who is struggling at home after their dad left them. They never learned how to talk about feelings or practice self-care and have little friends or family that are available to them. Maybe that person does not have a religious or spiritual life at all and has no belief in the afterlife. That person may struggle more after a death, even if they were not as close to the person that died. The amount of love they had for the person has little to do with the amount of grief they experience after a death. When someone dies, it often brings up previous losses. So if you are someone who has experienced a lot of death in your life, Another death, whether it be someone you are close to or not, may remind you of all of the other losses you have experienced. It may bring up feelings of loneliness and powerlessness that you felt during other circumstances, like when your parents got divorced or when you were forced to move and go to a different school. Or maybe you just want to talk to your mom about the current loss, but she died years ago, and it just makes you miss her the way that you did when she first died. Again, all of these feelings are completely normal and not necessarily related to the amount of love you had for the person that died. And by the way, the opposite is true too. I've had so many people talk to me about feeling numb or not being in touch with their feelings after someone died. And we humans are amazingly good at guilting ourselves for not feeling bad enough after someone dies. I recall a middle schooler whose dad died suddenly. Her friends had taken her out for ice cream a few days after her dad died. And the girl was actually bullied online for looking happy. People actually asked her if she loved her dad at all because she was seen smiling and laughing with friends days later. Meanwhile, it was a five-minute break for this young person to get out of her head and just be with her friends. But we all have these expectations and judgments about how sad or upset we should be based on the relationship we had with the person that died. People judge us. And honestly, we judge ourselves. We may go out to dinner and enjoy ourselves and then feel terrible guilt that we were able to do that when our person is dead. Many people call me and tell me that they are terrible people because they haven't cried since their person died. I'm not sure who decided that crying is required after a death. I happen to be a crier. I find it to be a great release when I have strong feelings, but it's not for everyone. And you don't have to be sad all of the time to be grieving, quote unquote, correctly. And we certainly don't need to be mad at ourselves if we aren't feeling bad enough. 
So as we start a new year, I'd love to keep that in mind. When we lose something that was part of our lives in big and small ways, we grieve. The amount of grief is not directly correlated to the amount of love. And that's okay. That's normal. We all tend to judge one another and question why someone is feeling as strongly or perhaps not as strongly as we think they should. But after such a challenging 2020, we can all give ourselves and others a break in 2021. Grief is a very individual experience. And it is unique to all of us because we are all unique people with unique relationships, coping tools, supports, and histories. My wish for each of you this year is that you are a little easier on yourselves and on others. I know that is certainly my wish for myself. So as we begin the second season of the morning meeting, I hope you can listen with an open mind and heart. I have some exciting guests already lined up, and I hope you will join us. If you think you would make a good guest or know someone that would, please reach out to me at mzucker at inner-harbor.org. And if you'd like to learn more about what Inner Harbor can offer your school, agency, or organization, check out our website at www.inner-harbor.org. Next week on the morning meeting, I will be interviewing Ian Wolf, the coordinator of student conduct and a case manager for the behavioral intervention team at Bergen County Community College in New Jersey. We talk a lot about how students' behavior is not just about discipline, but also about communication. When students behave in a way that may not be appropriate or seem acceptable, there may be a reason for it. And sometimes it's about grief. It's a great interview, and I hope you will tune in. As always, thank you to Stephen Bluestein for audio production of this podcast. That's all for today. Good morning to all of you.